Uh, let's pray and uh, we'll get rocking and rolling. Father God, I love you. I thank you for today. I thank you for uh, just your word, Lord. Uh, you're good to us. Um, there's a lot of things happening at HBF right now. It seems like there's a lot of things happening just kind of in and about the Passpoint ministry here in the last several weeks. And I feel like you're really gaining some traction uh, with people's hearts. And uh, I pray that you would just continue to uh, use us. And when I say us, I don't mean uh, just Paige and I, but I use the class as a whole to uh, just minister to people. Uh, there seems to be a real need in people's lives to uh, just uh, get on track with you, whatever that means. And so uh, I pray that each and every one of us uh, that are in here and that are listening to this would uh, just pray about it and seek somebody out specifically that they can uh, just really invest in. Um, Lord, there's people that need it. And so I do uh, pray for your church. I pray for your class. And uh, Lord, I pray for uh, just us as we step into uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 today and get into some of this uh, kind of confusing stuff and uh, kind of... Uh, uh, you know, just stuff that uh, kind of makes people disagree at times. And so, uh, Lord, I do just pray that uh, you would just speak to us, um, that it would be clear and concise, that you would put uh, my thoughts and opinions out of the way, but it would just be your mind and your heart on um, just all of this. And so, Lord, I pray that uh, you would just get all the honor and the glory. Pray for those who uh, are in the ministry this morning, all those who are just busy about your work and different things. There's some health issues going on with different people. And uh, i got to pray that you just... Uh, uh, just uh, comfort us and speak to us this morning in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so if you got your Bibles open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, what up, dude? What up, Say it's taken. He's like, I'm bigger than you. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And so, if you were here two weeks ago, because uh, we didn't have past point last week, we had the Lord's Supper. Um, I did something that I've never really done before uh, as I expositorily teach through a book and I like skipped one part portion of a chapter so I could get to a different portion and then I'm backtracking. And the reason I did that was because we find ourselves back in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 after kind of taking a break towards the end of last year to do some Christmas stuff uh, and then some beginning of the year stuff. And it just happened to be, I promise I didn't plan it this way, but as I was getting ready to start teaching uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, which is not Romans chapter 11, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, um, that we were the week before the Lord's Supper. And if you were here or if you listened to it, the second half of 1 Corinthians chapter 11 is um, just the passage on the, you know, the full council passage on why we do the Lord's Supper, why we do it, the way we do it, all the different things. And so it made sense for me to, to teach that the week before because the purpose is to get our hearts right. Remember all of, all of that. And uh, simmer down over here. <laughs> anyway, uh, I just happened to catch it out of the corner of my eye. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, and so it was like, okay, I'm going to, I want to fast forward to this. And I hope that was good for y'all because, uh, we need to make sure we understand why we do the things that we do. We need to, you should never, especially in the church, but really any time ever in your life, you should never just do something because, well, that's what everybody else does. Or that's what we're supposed to do. Don't ever find yourself in that, in that spot. And so I wanted to make sure that hopefully you guys got all that stuff in D1 and all those things. But just in case you didn't, I wanted to, Go back and catch that. And I was going to teach through it anyway because I don't just skip over things when we expository teach through a book. So anyway, with all that being said, we're going to backtrack to the beginning of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And I said when I was praying, this is a passage, uh, verses uh, 1 through uh, 16, that are sometimes contentious in the church. And uh, let me just explain to you why. It's because people don't understand how to rightly divide the Word of God. And you might even be like, well, I've heard people that supposedly do know how to. I'm just saying, 
and I would say this, you don't understand how to rightly divide the word of God. You don't understand dispensations, which basically, if you're like, I don't even know what that word means, that's okay. Uh, dispensation is just how God dispenses his grace through a certain amount of time uh, in in the Bible. There's a pen right there, Brenton, if you need it. Uh, oh, I thought you were trying to make it work. I was like, where? Anyway, uh, and so dispensation, you just don't understand. And so with all that being said, uh, the topic, or the, the, the not the topic, it kind of is the topic because that's the title. Uh, the, if you're a title person, um, your title for today is Hot Topic, right? And I'm not talking about the store that you all used to, that you all used to go to. Like I know any of you who are over 30 know what I'm talking about with Hot Topic, right? Yeah, okay, well, <laughs> it's probably different today than it was back in my day. But anyway, uh, uh, what? Yeah, well, you know what? I'm not as young as I used to be. I don't know. Actually, I don't know that I've been in one either. I kind of know. I kind of know what else what was in there, but I never really went there. But anyway, so hot topic. And so uh, just to review the book as a whole so far to kind of get your minds where it was going. So the book of First Corinthians, the first six chapters were basically a rebuke from Paul to the church. He was like, hey, uh, you got some things going on that are not biblical, right? Uh, you know, you've got fornication issues. You've got these like, I'm following this guy and I'm following this guy and I'm doing that. There's there's division, there's schism, there's all these different things. So the first six chapters of the book uh, are about rebuke. Uh, chapters seven through nine are Paul's uh, response to some questions that they had asked to a letter that they had written him. Some questions on marriage, some different questions on uh, different things. And so chapter seven through nine, it is his uh, response to those questions that he asked. Chapter 10 is a standalone chapter in the book. Uh, it was kind of and just because this is the way my mind works, I have to alliterate things because it makes me remember them. Uh, chapter 10 is like a reminder. He's like, hey, don't forget what happened to the nation of Israel. And I know that you guys aren't replacing the nation of Israel, but you can still learn a lot from them. And he goes through the entire chapter of kind of their history. And it's like, hey, we should learn some things from these guys. And then you get to the rest of the book, chapters 11 uh, through 16. And I call this the, redef- or the not redefining, refining. He's refining doctrine. And he gets a little deeper in some things, uh, some things that are just like, I think I understand that, but I'm not completely sure. Paul takes some time and he's just like, we're really going to get deep into some things, right? You get into like chapter uh, 15 and we that's the chapter on the resurrection. And so if you're like, man, I really don't completely understand the resurrection and how your body goes one place and your uh, soul is a different place and, you know, your spirits over it, it defines all those different things. And so there's there's some really deep doctrine that goes into this. And so he starts off, though. Coming right after everything that he has just taught, the, the rebuke, he answers their questions. He gives them this reminder. And the first thing that he starts off with, he's like, we need to understand what worship looks like. And you might be like, well, what do you mean? He's like, we need to understand what just being. And so when we talk about worship, we're not talking about when we get up and sing. Although, yes, we do call praise time, worship time. Uh, but you also know that like our, our main service, what do we call that? It's the worship service. He says, hey, I want you guys to understand what worship looks like, what being a member of the body of Christ, being a member of the church, be, what does that look like? And that's the first thing he's like, hey, let's address this first. And so uh, that's what we're going to start getting into today. And I already decided, I, as I started getting ready for all this a couple weeks ago, I was like, oh, man, I ought to be able to teach this in a day. It's really not that much. And then as I really started diving deep into this stuff, and uh, I'm like, okay, there's no way I can get through uh, all of this. So I'm going to split it in half, which should give us plenty of time uh, to get through the first part of this. And then next week, uh, come back, and we'll get through the second part of this, and then we'll be smooth sailing, because I promise the passage that everybody's like, this is really confusing. It's not confusing if you understand.
understand what the Word of God says. So, with all that being said, here's what I've got for you today. I've got four highly disputed topics in the church. I'm not even talking about in the lost world. These are four highly disputed, and I say highly disputed because I've heard people ask these questions at HBF since the time I got here, even until today, right? These are things that people are like, I still don't completely understand, or worse yet, I don't really believe. Okay, well, that's your problem. Truth is truth, whether you believe it or not, just in case you didn't know that. Four highly disputed topics in the church. And so let me just read through this whole passage to kind of let you know what we're talking about. And you might, as we read through, you might be like, what's the problem here? Well, we'll get into what the problem here is in a minute. So uh, in verse one, he says, be followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. I recite that verse, probably one of the most recited verses that I say out of the Bible. Verse two, now I praise you, Paul says this to the church, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I delivered them unto you. He's like, man, you guys are doing good. You, you guys are doing what I told you to do. You might not not doing it like I said to do it, but at least you're doing it. Uh, verse three, but I would have, you know, this is his way of saying, you need to hear what I'm saying. <laughs> Make sure you know this, but I would have, you know, that the head of every man is Christ and the head of the woman is the man and the head of Christ is God. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered, dishonoreth her head. For that is even uh, all one as if she were shaven. What? What is he talking about? Well, we'll talk about that in a minute. Verse 6. For if the woman was not, uh, or if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it be a, uh, but it, if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. For uh, a man indeed ought not to cover his head for as much uh, as he is the image and glory of God. But the woman is the glory of the man. Verse 8. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man. In the Lord. For as the woman is of the man, even uh, so is the man also by the woman, but all things of God. It kind of sounds like Romans chapter 7 a little bit. He's like, it sounds like Dr. Seuss. Of the man, of the woman, of the what? What? We'll get to it. Verse 12. For as the woman is of the man, even so is the man also the woman, but all things of God. Verse 13. Judge in yourselves. Is it comely that a woman pray unto God uncovered? Doth not even uh, nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, is a shame unto him. But if a woman have long hair, is a glory to her. For her hair... Uh, is given her for a covering, but any man, but if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. After all this, I, I like the way he wraps the whole thing up. If any man doesn't agree with what we're saying, well, do that somewhere else because we don't do that in the church. That's kind of how he ends that whole thing. So anyway, I'm going to get through half of this today and we'll get through the second half of it next week. They all kind of tie together, but they all kind of build upon one another. And you can't get to the second one without the first one. You can't get to the third one without the second one and you, so on and so forth. So the first hot topic that is disputed uh, in the church is this. It is the topic of following a man or a woman or person, right, instead of following God. It's the topic of, well, this, they're just following a man or, you know, they're just following a person. They, you know, they're just being led blind or whatever. How many times have you heard that about a church or anything else? I taught a class, uh, last year on world religions and cults. You know how those start? By people blindly following a person instead of following God. And so that's the first, uh, highly divided topic in the church is the topic of following a man instead of following God. It says in verse one, be followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I deliver them unto you. He's like, Hey, here's what I want you to do. Follow me 
If you're looking for like an example of what this should look like, follow me as I follow Christ. And honestly, I'm really glad that you guys have remembered some of the things that I taught you. You're doing the ordinances. You're doing all the things. Now, just really quick, in verse 2, it says, now I praise you. Fast forward down to verse 17, the first verse when it gets to the Lord's Supper stuff. He says, now in this I declare unto you, I praise you not. Which is it? He's like, well, you guys are keeping the ordinances, but you're doing it completely wrong. Like, you're just doing it religiously at this point. So, don't be confused. He's like, I praise you. He's like, I'm glad you're doing it. It's better than not doing it, but let's make sure you understand why you do what you're doing. So, back up to where we're at. This point, in general, is pretty simple to me. It is not hard to understand. I don't really, and this is just me, I don't understand why so many people get caught up in it. Uh, but they do. People get caught up. They want to accuse, oh, you're just following a person. Uh, they get so blindly following a person that they fall off a cliff when the person in front of them does it. And it's just like the blind leading the blind. I personally don't understand why it is such a problem, but it's a problem. People get stuck here. Following a person who follows God is biblical. That's the first thing you need to understand about this. People who are like, you should never follow a man. Well, the Bible shows you over and over and over and over again that you should do that as they follow God. Right. Let me give you some examples. Uh, God used Joseph to lead the people uh, and save them. Right. And in Genesis, he basically says, man, you guys were trying to kill me, basically. And you know what God was doing? Uh, he sent me here to preserve life. Uh, and you, you know, you, you should just follow me and I'll take care of you. Right. Uh, with Moses, what does God tell Moses to do? Hey, I want you to lead my people out of bondage. What about with Joshua? Joshua takes over and he's like, hey, I want you to lead my people into battle. You get into the promised land, you're going to go, you're going to take over Jericho and Ai, you're going to take over all these places. It is biblical to follow a man of God as he follows Christ. Keep going. David, King David, he's like, hey, I want you to be the king to my people that Saul couldn't be. Get to his son Solomon. Man, Solomon was the wisest man in the world. Until he wasn't anymore, right? But, you know, you follow a man as they're following Christ. Jesus Christ himself is the type of this and what it should look like. But Jesus meant follow him. The disciples, even though one of them ended up being, you know, the devil himself, Judas Iscariot, they had people following them as they were following Christ. The Apostle Paul, what is he trying to do with all the churches in the New Testament? Follow me as I follow Christ. It's biblical to follow a person who's following Christ. So anybody who uh, has said that to you, anybody who uh, in here might be thinking it's not biblical to follow somebody, I'm just telling you the pattern that God has set. It is biblical to find somebody, and I'm not just talking about a man. Find a woman that you can learn from, ladies. Men don't follow a woman. But uh, we'll get to that here in a little bit. But find somebody that you can follow. Emulate what they do. Do as I do, not as I, you know, as I say. Watch what they do. All of those things. It's biblical to do those things. Find somebody who is about God's business and follow them. I mean, it's it's not hard. It's okay to do this. Find somebody who's about God's business and follow them. Learn from them. Ask questions. Hey, why do you do that? I see, you know, when, you, when you're getting discipled by somebody, uh, like, hey, I, I see that you guys are a part of this ministry. Why are you in there? You know, what led you to that? Ask questions. It's okay to ask your disciple or just normal, real-life questions. It, it's okay to, you know, to share that stuff with them. Reproduce what they are doing. If you're a disciple of somebody and you might be like, well, I've already been through D1, so I can't do that. Fine. <laughs> I promise. You've heard me say this before. You should always have a Paul in your life. 
Somebody that you are learning from every day. I will, I will follow you. I'm learning from you. Uh, I'm doing what you're doing. All this. You should always have a Timothy in your life, somebody that you're imparting wisdom to all the time, that you're teaching, you're bringing up. You should also always have a Barnabas-type person in your life. And this is obviously out of you know the life of Paul. But uh, somebody that you know walks through the fire with you. They're kind of spiritually the same age as you. And, you know, they're in the ministry with you. They're going through the fire with you. You feel like you could go to war with that person. Always have those three types of people in your life, right? But so even if you've been through D1, you better have somebody that you're still following, that you're learning from, that you're emulating as they do things that that you're not right now. I promise there is nobody in here that uh, is like at the top of the spiritual food chain. Me, first and foremost, like... I need to learn. I need to follow. I need those things. And so don't ever find yourself at a point where, well, I've done, you ain't done nothing, I promise. Reproduce what they're doing. Follow the natural transition. I've heard this said. I just don't know exactly how it's worded, but it's worded something similar to this. There's four parts to this. You watch while I do as you're training somebody. I want you to watch me as I do this. You're discipling somebody, right? Hey, I want you to come in the ministry with me and just just watch what I do. Just watch from afar, see what I'm doing, see how I do it, see why I'm doing it, all these different things. You you watch what I do, right? That's the first part. The second part of this is you be a part of what I'm doing. So now you've seen me, you've seen how I'm doing it. Now I want you to be a part of it. I want you to come in and help me with it. With it. I'm still obviously kind of leading this thing. I'm, I'm driving the car, but I want you to, to see how I'm doing it. I want you to be a part of what I'm doing, right? You get to pull some of the pedals. You get to make some of the things happen. We're both in this together. The third part of this transition is now... I become a part of what you're doing. Now we've flipped roles a little bit. I'm still here as a helper to you, but now you're leading this thing. Now you're driving the car, right? Now, you know, you're, you're teaching your teen how to drive. Now I can't just uh, grab the steering wheel because now you have it. I'm a part of what you're doing. I can tell you, hey, don't pull out in front of that truck. I'm still here as guidance, but, but now you're doing it, right? This is the third step in the progression. And the fourth step in the progression is I'm going to watch while you do. Basically, you have now taken my spot. So that I can go and reproduce that in somebody else now. It's a natural progression. You should have that always in your life. You should be doing that with somebody below, not below you, under you in, in the natural spiritual growth progression. But you should also still be doing that with somebody who is a mentor to you. You should still be, okay, well, you know, I'm leading ministry now. That's awesome. Uh, find something that you can still be learning and doing. All of those things. It's, it's natural, guys. The natural progression. Uh, Next page. Sorry, I was going to read the same thing again. Let me let me throw this in there, though, because this is where people get all hung up. There is a statute of limitations on following. We'll call it a statute of limitations. There is a statute of limitations. Paul gives it to you in verse 1. He says, be followers of me, and he doesn't stop there, even as I also am of Christ. You follow me as long as I'm following Christ, is what he says. This implies that I'm, if I'm not following Christ, then you should no longer be following me. You don't get so latched on, attached to a person that if for whatever reason they go off the deep end, you're going to follow them off of it. And you might think, the person that I am emulating, following, they would never do that. Don't think that. Because I know a lot of people who have thought that. I personally in life have thought that. Um, there's nobody that is Christ in your life other than Christ. So be followers of me 
as long as I'm following Christ. I tell people that all the time. Man, uh, if I'm going to disciple you, uh, I want you guys to see what I do, do what I do, all those things. But if there's ever a time that I'm off the wagon, you better be, you better not follow me anymore. Right? You better be following Christ. I'll follow you as long as, as I'm looking through you, I can still see Christ. But if there's ever a time that I'm looking at you and what you're doing and all the things that you're saying and I'm like, I don't really see Christ. I don't really see the shadow and the picture. Like, okay, you better not be following me anymore. Right? It's not okay to follow men when it comes to that. That's where false doctrine comes. That's where all those things. This does not mean that you should stop following too, by the way. It doesn't mean, well, they stopped following, so I guess I'm going to stop going to church too. I'm going to stop following Christ too. No, that's not what this means. This is where you'll find out if what you thought you learned up to this point in your spiritual growth was actually caught or if it was just taught. Because if you were just taught something because you were following somebody, when they fall off the wagon, you will too because you didn't catch it. You didn't catch what God was really doing. This is where you, and I, I promise, I hate to say this, but it'll probably happen in your life at some point. Somebody will let you down. Somebody that you admire, that you uh, spiritually want to be like, they will, because that's what happens to men. They fall. You know, God forbid, but that, that's what happens. Uh, did you just, did you actually catch it, or was you, were you just taught it? Because that's a problem. There is no perfect person to follow, by the way, except Christ. You might think, well, the guy that I'm following, the lady that is discipling me, that I'm learning from, man, there ain't no... I'm just telling you, there's no perfect person other than Christ. Understand that. Also understand that in the sense of, well, I'm not going to follow them. They're pretty good, but, you know, they've got this one area in their life where they're just not perfect. Well, guess what? Nobody's perfect, right? Uh, Check out the log that's in your eye before you worry about the speck that's in mine, right? So be careful when you're like, well, I'm never going to follow a person because they're not Jesus. You're right, they're not. But neither are you. So find somebody that you can emulate and learn from. Abraham was the only person in the Bible to be called the friend of God. Yet, man, it took him a long time to get things figured out. He called his wife, his sister a couple different times to save his own neck. Like, just things that were just like, why would you do that? Right? Uh, Moses. Man, where Brian's preaching through his life, he didn't want to lead. He's like, I don't talk too good, right? I got a stutter, God. I can't do this, right? I don't know what I'm doing. And, you know, he also didn't trust God. He's like, hey, watch this. I'll hit the rock twice. We'll get double the water. He didn't trust God. All these different things, you know? And But yet God used them. It doesn't mean that they were perfect. David, man, he didn't protect his eyes. He was a guy after God's own heart. But yet where did he find himself, right? There is no perfect person, guys. Solomon was the wisest man in the world, but he didn't protect his heart. We learned about him a few weeks ago. Ended up with 700 wives and 300 concubines. Not the place to be, right? Your heart will be turned. Peter, man, he had like the worst case of uh, foot and mouth. That's not the same as hand, foot, mouth that you guys know, but uh, a foot and mouth syndrome that you could have. But you know what? He tried and he still didn't follow through. Oh, man, Jesus, I won't deny you. The cool thing about that story is all the other disciples, it says they said the same thing. But, you know, we only like to give Peter a hard time. He's like, there's no way I'll deny you. And they, they all said, I can't remember exactly how it says it, but they all said likewise, I think is what it said. Yeah, but but yet we only call Peter out. You know, right? Okay, that's what happens in leadership sometimes. Um, sometimes in leadership, you're the one who takes the fall. That's okay. But even him, he wasn't perfect. Paul, before he got saved, he was persecuting the church. Right? There is no perfect person to follow. So if you're looking for the perfect person, you're never going to find it. But find somebody that you can emulate, that you can be like, that you can learn from, you can do that. The premise of discipleship done right can really teach this point. 
When you bring somebody alongside of you and you're like, hey, watch what I do, you know, and just just be a part of it, right? Learn from me. Learn from the things that I've went through that you shouldn't do. And then I'm also going to let you be a part of what's happened. All these different things from both sides. As a discipler, you're just like, hey, I'll, I'll follow you. But I want to, how did you do that? When I disciple somebody, I'm like, how can I get... 15 years, we've been saved almost 15 years. How can I get 15 years worth of mistakes and victories uh, into this person's life in the shortest amount of time? Why? So that they can fast track themselves to where I have gotten so that they can get farther than I ever would have, right? The goal for me when I disciple somebody is to get them farther in their spiritual growth than I ever would be. Like that should be the goal of what you do. Discipleship is follow me as I follow Christ. That's what it's all about. Some references in case you think I'm making all this up. First Corinthians 4.16, he says, be ye followers of me. Philippians 3.17, he says, be ye followers together of me and mark them, he says, that are doing the right thing. Be like them. First Thessalonians 1.6 says, and ye became followers of us and of the Lord. Why? Because you watched what we were doing and now you're doing the same thing. Second Thessalonians 3 9. He says, to make ourselves an, insa- an example unto you to follow us. That's why we do the things that we do, because I want you to see it so that you can go do it. I don't know why this is such an issue, but this has been an issue even at HB- HBF since the time I got here. Oh, you shouldn't follow a guy. You shouldn't follow a man. You shouldn't follow a woman. Or I can't follow a, I, I can't follow a person. Okay. I'm just telling you, like, I don't know why it's such a hot topic, but it is. And Paul clarifies it very quickly. The second one, we got to at least get through one more. The second topic, the topic of the authority structure given by God. Nobody likes the authority structure given by God. Ladies don't like to submit to their husbands. Husbands don't like to submit to Christ. Ain't nobody telling me what to do. You know, Christ didn't, and if you read in his life, didn't really want to submit to God's plan. He's like, if there's any way that this cup can pass for me, God, why don't you go ahead and do that? Because I don't want to do it, right? Remember, he was touched by the feelings of our infirmity. He felt the same thing that we do. Nobody likes authority. Well, what's this song say? I fight authority, but authority always wins. It always will. I promise. What? I fight the law. Yeah, I fight the law. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's the same thing, right? It is. It's what happens. So let me just read through this really quickly. Because I, I want you to understand this. Because you have to understand this before we can move into next week, which is really where we're wanting to get to. He says, but I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ. The head of every woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. But every woman that pray or pr- pray, prayeth or prophesy with her head uncovered, dishonoreth her head. For that is even as uh, one if she were shaven. For if the uh, woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it be a, a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. For a man indeed ought not to be covered in his head, for as much as he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man." People read this and they're like, I don't really understand what it says, but I don't like it. That's where most people, they read that and they're like, I don't really know what that says, but I don't like what it says, right? It says something in there that I don't like. That's that's what happens, right? That's where people are at. Let me, sometimes when you get into passages like this, you need to slow down, take it verse by verse, and then even break the verses down a little bit more phrase by phrase, and you can really start to piece through what God's doing here. Verse 3 shows the authority structure all the way up to God. It doesn't just show the authority structure in your family. It shows the authority structure all the way up to God. It says, wives, you submit to your husbands. Husbands, you submit unto Christ, Ephesians chapter 5. Christ, you submit to me, by the way. I'm God the Father, right? Uh, Everybody has somebody to submit to. 
It's always going to be that way. Right? Anybody who's like, I'm not doing it, that's fine. You will find somebody in life that you will submit to. I promise. Even if it's nobody until the great white throne judgment, you will find somebody that you will submit to. That's the, that's, that's the structure. We get to decide if we follow or not. <clears throat> God does his part. He is the perfect leader. God the Father is the perfect leader. He sent his own son to die for your and my sin. He is the perfect leader to provide a way. Only he could do that. God does his part. Jesus has and is still doing his part. He came and he was like, you know what? Maybe I could come up with a different idea and I could, you know, I'm, I am perfect and I am part God. Um, maybe I could do this a different way. But he, he says, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But obviously it wasn't possible. So he went through with it. Sometimes when you have to submit to somebody that you don't really want to, you need to remember that I guarantee you what I'm having to do right now is nothing compared to what Jesus had to do. But yet he did his part. God does his part. Jesus did and is still doing his part as playing the role of Christ to the church. He's doing his part. That only leaves us to decide if we're going to do our part. Husbands, not husbands, men, are you going to submit to Christ? Ladies, are you going to submit to the man? It doesn't even, it's not even talking about the marriage picture here. Because this isn't only about married people. This is about single people too. Right? And we'll get to what it all means in a minute. Verse 4 goes on to explain the whole covering thing. Because most people are like, what in the world is the covering? We're not talking about, and this is where people get confused. You get into like Muslim countries, you get into uh, third world countries, uh, Asian countries, and it's all about the head covering, the veil, all of the different things, right? Uh, Lauren could tell you a lot about, you know, the, the way that ladies have to have their head covered in certain places um, in, in like India and things like that. That's not what this is talking about, Right? This is not talking about a covering as far as a veil over your head. That's not what this is talking about. We all must have a covering. But make sure you stick to the authority structure. Right? A covering, the best way that I can explain it in words that hopefully you can just like grasp a hold of and hold on to. Uh, a covering is like a, a headship or leadership or protection. Everyone needs that in their life. Men, your headship, your leadership, your protection is to be Christ. That's what it says in verse 3. Ladies, your headship, your protection, your leadership should be the man. Now, you might be like, well, I'm not married. We'll get to that in a minute. It is just black and white. It is plain and simple. This is how the Bible... You're like, I don't really like that. I, I didn't write it. Don't be mad at me. I'm just telling you what it says. Right? I'm just explaining it to you the best way that I can. So the covering thing is a protection, is a headship. It is a uh, is something like that. It isn't isn't like a veil you wear over your head. Now it can be portrayed like that in certain ways, but it doesn't have to be. This is the New Testament. We aren't bound to anything. Okay, that's where next week we're going to like the hair thing, and it's like, was that the cover? No, the the covering is all about an authority structure and who you are submitting yourself to as your covering. That's what that means. Okay, so. A covering is like a headship or leadership. So, let's just walk through this so you can understand it. When verse 4 says that when a man prays with his head covered, he dishonoreth his head. What is Paul saying when he says that? He says, okay, so when a man prays with his head covered, what is he talking about? He says he dishonoreth his head. What does that mean? Okay, I'm going to just tell you because we've got to get that. <laughs> Let me break it down. First, who is the man's head in verse 3? Christ, right? 
Okay, so the end of the verse says that if he does this, then he dishonoreth his head. So if he does this, he dishonors Christ. Okay, so what is this? Okay, second, if the man rolls into the church with any covering or headship other than Christ, he's dishonoring his true head, which is Christ. Well, how does he do that? Um, I'm sure you've seen this before, um, and the picture of what it looks like when the wrong person's leading the household, when the wrong person uh, is, is calling the shots, right? There's an authority structure. So when a man comes rolling into church, and the wife's making all the calls because the husband don't want no part in the whole thing, or you know he's, he's following the world, he's doing whatever else, and he's trying to uh, act godly in the church, it says that he's dishonoring his true head, his true protection, his true umbrella authority, which is Christ. When he does that, not fulfilling the role that was given to him, he's dishonoring his head, his covering, which is Christ. Any of y'all want to dishonor Christ? Probably not. Take care of what you're supposed to do, okay? Examples of that would be like a husband who lets the wife call all the shots. He's like, well, I'm just passive. I don't really care. Whatever. She can do whatever she wants. Or, you know, sometimes you get into situations where you're like, there's no question about who's rolling the house there and it ain't him. Right. And that's a problem. Guys, it's a problem because you're allowing her. Ladies, it's a problem because you're doing it. All the different things. Okay. So that's what it's talking about when it says that if a guy allows this to happen, he's dishonoring his head. Verse five and six goes on to say, in verse five, it says, what does it mean when it says that when a woman prays uncovered, she dishonors her head. Same thing. Back up, slow down, read what it says. First, who does it say that the woman's head or covering is? The man. So, if she does this uncovered, then she is dishonoring her head, which is the man. You might be like, well, that's the best thing that could happen to him is a little dishonor. That's not your job to take care of, right? Uh, this is this is God's thing, not yours. So, uh when you roll into church as a woman and you go praying uncovered, not talking about with a veil on your head or whatever else, when you go in and you start calling the shots spiritually in your family and you're doing that uncovered, meaning your husband's just like, you go to church without me, I don't care, or I'll go, but I'm following you. Where, what industry you want to go to or whatever else? She's dishonoring her head, which is her husband or in a single person's uh, aspect, her father, right? She's dishonoring that. That's a problem, right? So now not only is she dishonoring, but now because she's dishonoring, now the husband is dishonoring Christ, and it's just a total mess. So it says when you do these things without the proper covering, without the proper authority structure, we got some explaining to do, right? It's not good. It's a problem. It's not good. In a marriage, knowing a woman's covering is pretty simple, right? In, in, in a marriage, a woman's covering is what? Her husband. You signed up for it. You said, I do. Like it or not, like I, you did it. Oh, I was lost when I did that. Well, you did. I'm just saying, like, you should have checked into the fine print before you got married. Like, I encourage people, when we do premarital with them, make sure you understand what you're signing up for because there is no, like, I'll try again later thing. It doesn't work like that. So, like, the fine print said you're in it to win it. So, like, that's where it is. Okay, so in a marriage, it's pretty simple. A woman's uh, covering is her husband. But what about a single or unmarried woman? Okay, that would be her father 
unless her father is completely unbiblical, wants nothing to do with the church. A woman gets saved. She's single. She's unmarried. She's a part of the body of Christ, but her dad's like, I don't really. Like, he, he would send her out to, you know, sell her into slavery. You could call it that because that's what most men do in the in the world we live in is they send their wives out or their, their daughters out, not wives, uh, to the world. So in that case, they submit to a headship or a covering of the pastor of the local New Testament church. Uh, if they get involved in an ABF, um, so just practically. So I would play the first layer of covering for somebody like Mickey, who just left, or somebody like Candace, who just who just left, right? Uh, somebody like Rachel, who is in here single. I would play the, now I'm not the only one. Pastor Brian is the ultimate covering, but when you submit yourself to the authority structure of the church, that's what's happening, right? Now, Rachel, hers would be her father. Right, because her her father is obviously a member of the church. He's in good standing. But when you start talk to somebody like uh, Mickey, for example, and you can tell her that I said this because she doesn't have a father figure in her life, I would play that role. Pastor Brian would play that role. So everyone has a person, right? Is is there? The local church provides that. That is the covering that is provided. So, man, I still got a lot to get through. Maybe it'll be a three. No. We're going to have to stop because there's more here that I need to get to. So we'll get into what it's talking about with the shaven thing and all that next week. Sorry, we got to we got to get done. Well, there's there's a lot of stuff here, guys. And it's like I want to make sure we hit it correctly, because if you just glaze over this stuff, then you leave more confused than when you were. I want to make sure you really grasp what's going on here. So we'll pick up right here. Next week, I'll review the little bit that we talked about in point two, and then I'm going to get done uh, all the way through these four points, because I'm going to be gone for like three weeks, so it wouldn't make sense to not get done. I promise uh, we'll get through it. It'll be good. Um, there's a lot of really cool stuff. If you want to know, I'll just tell you the other three things, two, two things. Actually, no, I won't. I didn't write them down in here. I had them written down on a different piece of paper. One of them has to do with long hair uh, and you know, with men and women and all the stuff. And the other one has to do with why does it seem like men are more important than women uh, in the church. And so uh, we'll address both of those things next week as well. So with that, let's pray um, and we'll get going. I'm going to cut announcements short next week because we got a lot to get through. I'm just telling you now. So uh, let's pray. Father, I love you. I thank you for today. Uh, thank you for your word. It really is clear and concise when we slow down and read it. And so, Lord, I pray you would just allow these things to uh, uh, to be true in our life. If there's an area in our life that we need to uh, address or, uh, you know, see where we're off a little bit at, that you would uh, correct us gently uh, and that we would really find our spot in the authority structure uh, in what it means and that you would get the glory for it. So, uh, Lord, I pray you send us out this week as lights in a dark world. Uh, be with Pastor Brian as he preaches to us this morning. Uh, just get all the honor and the glory from our lives in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.